What's up, everyone? I'm Dustin Bass. Oh, wait. Alan? Alan. He's not with us. That's okay. You're probably wondering where he is. He's got this uh, episode off. I've got with me my good friend, Nick Perez. Now, you're probably thinking, Nick Perez, Nick Perez, where have I heard that name before? Nick the Intern, that probably rings some bells from episode one on the American Revolution that we did on our YouTube series. Nick, say hello. What's going on? <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> All right. Here's the thing, guys. We're going to be uh, talking to Nick today. He is a new recruit into the United States Marine Corps. Um, he'll be shipping out here in the next few months. Uh, so really excited for him. And we're just going to get his story on him going to the Marines and a little bit of his history. Uh, and seeing that this is a history show, I think your personal history will uh, do us all dividends. So, Nick, um, let's start off with our story, how you and I met. Um, what kind of impact did I make on your life the first time you look into my eyes? Uh, whenever I looked into your eyes, I thought you were pretty goofy at first. All Funny right. looking. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. This is my cross-eyed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but it was at um, it was at Young Life, and Dustin, pretty cool guy. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of approached me and a couple of my friends at first, and then um, the friendship just went on from there. Yeah, so it was uh, that was my first semester with Young Life in the Heights. Little shout out to them. Uh, anybody listening outside of Houston Heights is a central part in the Houston, uh, close to downtown. Um, so that is where I volunteer for Young Life, and you were really one of the the first students. I think the first student really that I started talking to. Um, and yeah, the, just our relationship really blossomed, if you will. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we got to spend more time with each other, got to talk, um, and you know, just go from there. Um, and that's, you know, if anybody else is out there looking for ways, Hey, how can I volunteer? How can I, you know, spend time with kids as far as like a mentorship program that is a, you know, where you can actually impact not just, you know, mine, you know, and, and help uh, like education and different stuff like that, but on a spiritual perspective, from a Christian perspective, uh, Young Life is an incredible um, opportunity for anyone looking for um, ways to mentor young people. So anyways, it's been great to know you. I know um, in the next couple of months, uh, I won't be able to see you anytime mm -hmm. soon. You'll be off and at them. So I got to ask you, why did you get into the Marines? Um, well, initially I knew I wanted to join the military. It was just, I was just very confused at which branch I wanted to join. So my grandfather, um, he was actually in the United States Army. And he served uh, with the 65th Infantry Division in the Korean War. Hmm. And so I moved in with him uh, for uh, his personal health reasons. And whenever I did, I mean, uh, I told him, I was like, hey, Grandpa, you know, I want to join the, uh, the military. And he was like, well, what branch? And then I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I want to go talk to the Navy recruiter. Talk to the Navy recruiter. It just didn't seem like it just it just didn't seem like it was for me. Mm -hmm. um, then I 
just kind of told my grandpa, I was like, you know what, grandpa, I want to be just like you, and I want to go to the army. And then I said, well, it's kind of, I want to do it for you, but I mean, obviously, it's going to be for me as well. And then he says, well, just don't try to so much kind of be like me. He's like, you want to do something because cause you want to do it, not because I did it, and that's what you feel like you want to do. But if, you, if that's honestly what you want to do, then go for it. And then he said, but talk to the army recruiter, but you know what, maybe you should go talk to the marine recruiter and see see the difference, uh, ask him in the, ask him about how the life is um, different in um, both military branches. So, you know, I went to the army recruiter and then it was, it was cool. Um, I, I went back, told my grandpa about it and he was like, well, he had another talk with me and he was like, well, honestly, he says, Oh, I forgot to mention, my grandfather was actually drafted into the United States Army as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, he sat down with me, and he had another talk, and he says, Well, honestly, if I was to go back, I'd probably join the Marine Corps. And I, I would ask him, I said, well, why? And he's like, as funny as it sounds, but the Marine Corps is honestly a hardcore, like, it's, it's a hardcore branch. Right. And then, so, um, after that, we just kind of talked a little about uh, the living and everything and how the Marine Corps was different from whenever he was in the Army and he would see the difference between them two. And he was saying that if you're going to go ahead and do something hard, why not go all the way go and just, way, yeah. yeah, go all the way and just do the hardest one. And he didn't say it in that in that way. I mean, it was a little more vulgar, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's basically how he said it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or that's what he meant, at least. So went to the Marine recruiting office, hung out with... Uh, a lot of the guys that just got back from boot camp and heard some of their stories and then got to speak with a bunch of other Marines and their life in the military. And some had different opinions but um, on, on, their, on their living, but um, overall it just sounded like something for me, so it just kind of pushed me towards it more. And then um, it just got to the point to where around my uh, 18th birthday, um, that's whenever I uh, enlisted. Yeah. yeah. So... You're right now, you're considered really just a recruit because you haven't gone in, correct? Uh, well, actually, not a, a recruit, but just enlisted. So you're not yes. officially. So, so the, the process, it goes, whenever you meet with your recruiter, it's, um, you're an applicant. Mm-hmm. That's before you sign any paperwork, any, any of all that stuff. So you're an applicant. And then from the applicant process, you go, it's a whole long process. They'll send you downtown and where they're going to screen you, it's called the MEP station, the Military Entrance Processing Station. That's where they're going to um, check you from head to toe. Mm-hmm. They're going to do background checks and a whole bunch of stuff. And it's a long process. It's it's really long. And um, from there, if you pass all the screening processes, all the processing, then you're going to, uh, later on that day, you will swear, officially swear in into the military. Mm-hmm. And once you swear into into the military you'll uh, officially be considered a poolee. So right now, I'm officially a United States Marine Corps poolee. Okay. And then it's not gonna, it's not until I'll be sent to boot camp to when I'll be a recruit. And then from recruit, obviously, then Marine. All right. Yeah. So you chose the Marines, um, and it seems like you did it because that was the biggest challenge. It, I mean, is that is that why, or, or is it... The history of the Marines, or is it a combo- combination of everything? Um, it's gonna sound kind of funny, but it's kind of a, a just a combo of everything. You know, um, one thing like how I said I went to all these other rec- the recruiting offices. Uh, no disrespect to any other branch, but you know, right. 
Uh, We're not here to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all one team. I mean, it's all one fight, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was just something about the Marines that I just really liked. Like, I went to the Army uh, recruiting office, and mm-hmm. then, like, some of them were wearing their uniforms in, like, different ways and stuff, and it was just... Um, I don't know. I just, like... I guess... I know I'm, I'm only... Now I'm 18 years old, um, and I guess I kind of want that structure to kind of mold me and not... How do I say it? I wanted to kind of mold me into a better man. Right. And, you know, I went to the Marines and uh, Marine office, and they were a lot more strict with how they run things. And um, uh, the just the and then whenever we would do workouts and stuff, it was a lot more mm-hmm. a lot more challenging than um, other workouts would be. And I just like the how do I say this? the camaraderie, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, the camaraderie um, that the Marine Corps has, like they're all. They're all like um, the they're all tight knitted. I guess yeah. is, is a good way to say it. Their uh, core values is honor, courage, and commitment. And whenever I stepped foot into the recruiting office and I got to talk with other Marines and even Marines that aren't recruiters, um, it feels like they really hold themselves to that. So that's why I really was pushed towards the Marines. Yeah. Now, I, uh, I I want to mention your grandfather, but I want you to you, you I want you to mention this story that you you told the other day. Your grandfather passed away here recently. Yes, sir. He graduated. Uh, gra- <laughs> <laughs> graduated to heaven. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> he graduated yeah. to the Lord's yeah. kingdom. <laughs> um, he passed away uh, in the summertime. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was. Um, little less than a year ago that your grandfather passed away and you got up and you spoke um, during his funeral and it was a really um, really good speech and really moving but you told a story in particular that it got everybody laughing (laughs) Um, you had said okay I'm gonna go into the military and I'm gonna go into the Marines and your grandfather's like okay um, well this is how you're gonna do it tell our listeners the story of him quote unquote waking you up. Yeah. Um after that second talk with him um about joining the Marines, I, I told him about how I was like sold on it and just how I was ready to do it. And he goes, Okay, well you know, we wanna I wanna help you. You gotta get up, you gotta start running, you gotta whenever you get home from school, make sure you run a mile at least every day, at least a mile. So he was he was he was just talking to me about all the things that I needed to do and all that. So with me living with my grandfather, you know, I was there for his um, his uh, personal help because, you know, he was disabled. So we we had air horns all around the house. Um, so, like, if he was to fall, if he was just, just really, if he was just to fall, we were there to help him uh, get up. And he would just blow the air horn. Yeah. You, I'm talking about you could hear it throughout the whole house. Yeah, probably the whole neighborhood. Yeah, yeah that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just so happened that one time after I told him, I was like, yeah, Grandpa, I, I wanted to. I'm like sold on the Marine Corps. Um, that's what I'm gonna do. And he was like, Marines, you know that's hard. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to do all this. He was just telling me everything that I needed to do. And I was, but me being me, I'm like, oh, you know, it's so far away. I I can maybe start later. Yeah. And that's where I was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just so happened that next morning after, um, you know, with me living there with him, I kind of knew his 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 morning schedule. He would wake up around four in between four and five o'clock in the morning just to wake up and get coffee and sometimes he'd make himself something to eat so it just so happened this one morning um i would hear his motorized chair coming down the hallway and 
it was kind of weird because I I heard, you know, it's not, but it sounds really weird. But with me living with him for so long, I can hear like if he's doing like a like a, a complete circle or if he's doing it. It's just yeah. when you live with him for so long, it's just you you know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So it's like my room was next to the kitchen, and he would come in, and uh, I didn't hear him go all the way to the kitchen, and I was like, okay, that that's kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. And so I hear his chair kind of do like a little turnaround. And then my door is just, it was, it, my door was a crappy door. It, yeah. it, it didn't even have a doorknob on it. I, I heard him do that, that turnaround and then he just kind of busted through my room and he hadn't, that he had the air horn with them. And the next thing you know, he's, and I was like, I just freaked out. And I was like, yeah, grandpa, what's wrong? Like, do you need help with anything or are, are you good? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm trying to help you. Uh, uh, it's it's five in the morning. You know, you need to get up and go do your run. He's like, that's the time the Marines get up and go run. And then, you know, yeah, that, that was it. And then uh, it's kind of funny because I would like fall back asleep and then he'd come back in with the air horn again. <laughs> and then it was, he didn't even let me get five minutes. It was like maybe five in the morning. He, he went and did that. And then it was maybe like 5.05. He came back and did it again. He was like, no, I'm serious. You, you want to go to the Marines? Get up. Yeah. And then there was also a couple of times he would walk in uh, to my TV. And you know how TV, sometimes they collect dust and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I went, so he came in. I don't, I don't know where he got this from, but he had a white glove with him. Like it was, it was almost like a white latex glove. And it was, it was just very funny. <laughs> and then next thing you know, he like puts his hand on my TV and he's like, look, he's like dust. And he just looked so disappointed. And it, it, I don't know. That was just the he type of guy. He already wanted you to be a Marine yeah, before he, you became one. Yeah. Exactly. He just, he wanted me to get in the habit of that type of lifestyle. Yeah. And that just kind of shows the uh, type of person he was. he was. He's very funny. He was a very funny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he always wanted to put his two cents in everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess kind of developed that from the military. He was, but yeah, nothing... But good things to say about him, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a great man and, and a, a great hero. And I do want to jump into his his life a little later on. But one of the things that we've, we've discussed is sort of that whole process of going into the Marines uh, or going into the military. Um, and then also your grandfather sort of helping prepare you. Um, how important have you found it? to be not just knowing how the process goes because your, your recruiting officer is going to help you through that whole process. Yes. But for all the, all the students out there, all, all the young people out there who are thinking about going into the military and, and in specifically into the Marines, how important is it for them to go ahead and start preparing their bodies and their minds, but it's specifically their bodies now? I cannot stress it enough get in shape just do it yeah. i mean nobody wants to do it if it was if if it was something easy then everybody would be doing it right but it's not meant to be easy and especially not the marine corps cuz not everybody's cut out for the marine corps mm-hmm. and they're um at the recruiting office you know they they hold workouts for us and even the workouts there they can be very challenging mm-hmm. cuz their the whole point is to get you ready for boot camp i mean i haven't Obviously, I haven't been to boot camp yet, but you know, a lot of the uh, new Marines that come back, and I, I've talked to them. One of them being uh, Miguel uh, uh, Contreras. Right. He actually just came back from boot camp a couple weeks ago, and he was like, he told me, he says, "Dude, I cannot stress it enough. You better get in shape." He said, yeah. "It's the hardest thing I've ever done, 
he says, you're going to find your fun times, but he says, honestly, like you're going it, to, it's going to suck most yeah. of the time. You know, you have to be prepared. <clears throat> um, one thing that I would say for all the, all, everybody thinking about uh, going into the military is just run a lot. Just run mm-hmm. at least a mile every day. My recruiters are very good about keeping me on track, making sure that I'm, I'm uh, making progress with my mile time. And uh, some, I mean, even on the better days, they're like, why don't you go run a three mile? And yeah. I'm like, okay. And they're, they're just, they're going to help you. They're going to, regardless if you join the military, there's going to be somebody to kind of push you if, you if you're kind of that person that doesn't want to yeah. do it. I can tell with myself that um, I've improved a lot. You know, at first my miles, they were, my mile time was just very slow. Mm-hmm. It's still kind of slow, but um, I've improved. But you like to pace yourself. Yeah, I like to pace <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, but I, I can, I know I've improved um a long time. I've actually cut my. Whenever I first started, my mile time was really, really slow. I mean, to all the runners, I know it. Regardless, my new mile time is slow, but beginning it was around thirteen minutes, mm. and now it's. Uh, recently, I got my mile to about. On a good day, it can be like an eight minute. On a bad day, it's like maybe ten. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a cut down of like. Yeah, that's still it's three still to five minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. still a really big cut down. Um. Yeah, and uh, one thing a lot that the Marine Corps stresses uh, is pull-ups. You have to learn how to do pull-ups. Yeah. And I know not everybody's upper body strength isn't all there, and that's why they give you so much time before you leave to boot camp because, mm-hmm. I mean, pull-ups are hard. And Marine Corps is like one of the – or so actually when I started, I couldn't do any pull-ups, but now I am at five. So What does that mean? That's actually, that's good. That's, I mean, it's progress. Yeah? Yeah. Like five pull-ups? Oh, yeah, five pull-ups. Okay. Yeah, my bad. Five yeah, I wasn't sure if there was like a ranking, like one star, two star, five oh, star. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a five-star pull-up guy. Five star. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about your grandfather. I want to get in on his story about um, fighting in the Korean War. What are some of the battles that he fought in, and what did he tell you about some of those? Um, Him, personally, he didn't. He didn't really tell us a lot, but, you know, he, he, the little that he told us, we, me and my family kind of like, where it's just like a sponge, we just kind of had to soak it in because he wouldn't talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But I know one of his um, proudest moments, actually, in Korea War, in the Korean War was uh, uh, when he fought in the Battle of Porkchop Hill. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. With the, I mean, obviously with the 65th Infantry. So his job uh, in the Army, another thing he was very proud of is... um. Because back then, you know, the it was just all kind of like segregated and everything yeah, a little right. still. So uh, he served with, um, even though he wasn't a Puerto Rican, he served with a lot of Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. The 65th Infantry was uh, mainly Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. So he served with them as kind of like a translator. He was in charge of a lot of guys. He was in charge of so many guys. And, you know, it's kind of funny because, um, but not too long ago, he um, we went to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. for, I think, the 50th or I can't remember what anniversary I, I can look it up and send it to you but you talked about the like it was this yeah the end of one of the anniversaries to the Korean War yeah and they actually the we we actually got to go to Washington DC with um with my grandfather where uh Barack Obama did a um a ceremony for all the mm-hmm. Korean War veterans um that obviously that served in the Korean War and it was honestly really cool because um it wasn't only just uh, Korean War veterans from the United States. It was Korean War veterans from Korea as oh, well. Wow. 
So they flew a bunch of them down, and they had a big, long ceremony. It was really cool. Um, the whole time in Washington, D.C., my grandfather was treated like royalty. It was awesome. Yeah. We got to go to the Marine Corps barracks, Washington, D.C. We just got to explore all of Washington, D.C., basically, and it was, mm-hmm. it was it was really cool. We got to go to all the monuments and all the... Um, yeah, uh, yeah, like the, the landmarks. Like yeah, the, just... The all, Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah the yeah. Lincoln Memorial. We got to go see the Tomb of the Unknown. That was actually really, really cool. And honestly, this trip was like way long before I knew I wanted to be a Marine. And it was mm-hmm. kind of funny because whenever we went to uh, the Marine Corps barracks, Washington, D.C., um, a quick funny story. Uh, whenever I say he was treated like royalty, I'm, I'm dead serious. He was treated like royalty. I mean, um, I have a couple pictures of mm-hmm. over there. And you can see my grandfather. I mean, you know, like, like I said, he was disabled. My family, we, we, almost, we helped him with a lot of stuff. I mean, he was... Like, um, we, we had to help him, uh, sometimes we would help him go use the restroom or sometimes, like, he would just needed somebody to be with him. And, uh, so whenever we got there to the barracks, um, before they were opening the gates for people to go in and it was really cool. We got to see the Saturn Joe platoon and all that. But before they opened the, the gates, um, my grandfather was like, Hey, like, I, I, I gotta go to the restroom. And then we we're like, okay, well, we're literally, I mean, we, we didn't. We had a van, but it, if you've been to Washington, D.C., it's very hard to, like, drive around. Or, mm-hmm. It's just hectic, I feel yeah. like, over there. Um, we were like, we, we were like, well, I mean, the gates are closed. Like, they're not letting anybody in these barracks until, like, until it's time, obviously, until it's time to let people in. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, we don't know where the nearest restroom. So, uh, we, my uncle approached two Marine staff sergeants and told mm-hmm. them, here, like, hey, um... Uh, my father, he has to use the restroom. Uh, is there anywhere we can take him? And they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, right this way. And then so they told my grandpa, yeah, you can follow us. And he just goes forward in his chair and starts following these two Marines. My uncle starts walking with him. And then they're like, oh, sorry, sir. Like, uh, you, like you can't come in. Yeah. Uh, not yet. And then they're like, oh, no, but uh, my like my grandfather, I mean, my uh, my, my father, he's uh, disabled. He, we, we, we have to help him. They're like, no, sir, like, no, no worries. Like, we, we, we got it. We'll take yeah. care of it. And then it was just really cool. And, you know, like, just seeing those Marines, the way they handled the situation, like, yeah. with my grandfather and just how they treated everybody and uh, the way that they carried themselves. That was also another thing that wanted me to go to the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Another thing at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, mm-hmm. um, they do the, uh, the changing of the guards, what it's right. called. So we were standing facing the tomb we were st- we were standing on the right side kind of where the guards would uh, first walk in mm-hmm. into the where the, where they uh, changed the guards right somebody one of somebody said that it was one of the uh one of the guards actually they you know they do the greeting they're like ladies and gentlemen you're about to witness the tomb of the unknown soldier changing of the guards and um they said if you're in uh active or if you're in uh military uniform uh just they said you will be saluted, and um, uh, we're just giving you a heads up and all that. And it was pretty cool because, you know, um, right. So they they did that little speech and everything. And then my grandfather was actually we were standing on the right side of where they do. Uh, well, we were standing on the right side, right where the guards first walk in, and they were actually doing a a, a wreath ceremony for the uh, for the Korean War veterans there, and we showed up at the right time. Uh, exactly for that so it just it came to the time to where they were changing and then the guards were walking in and there was i would i believe there was my grandfather and a couple other veterans walk uh uh uh, besides him and the guards start walking in 
and then they 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 pause right in front of the veterans and then they do it's called a right face and they they did a right face towards them and then saluted saluted them and it was really cool to see the veterans i mean all, they were all these veterans were in wheelchairs and then yeah. uh but that didn't stop them from showing respect back to the active duty uh soldiers and then they they saluted back from mm-hmm. their wheelchair and it was it was honestly really cool yeah but going back into some of his experiences um into the korean war you know, like I said, he didn't talk much about it, mm-hmm. but the little that he did, we soaked it in like a sponge. Yeah. Um, so there was actually a couple funny stories, and like one actually that uh, I really want to talk about that really stuck out to me, kind of showed what type of person my grandfather was as well. Yeah, I'm not sure, so sure if they called it this back then, but they would have uh, like fire watch. And there was, uh, while people were sleeping, you would have your people, wa- you would have uh, soldiers walking around and keeping watch of the perimeter and, um, you know, just trying to keep everybody safe. Uh, yeah. That I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole point of, of having somebody on guard. So my grandfather, um, he told us this one story where he was actually on guard or on fire watch or some, something like that. He was on some type of guard duty. And uh, he was kind of far away from... Uh, all these, all the other soldiers, because I'm not, I'm not so sure exactly what they were doing, but I do remember him saying it was on some type of like hill or like mountain or something mm-hmm. like that, and he was, basically he was walking, and uh, this guy, kind of uh, was running, and then um, so they they bumped into each other, and my grandfather kind of got like like he he like fell to the floor is what he said he 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 fell to the floor is what he told me. And he said he got up and he realized that it was a, a, a Korean a Korean uh, soldier. So he didn't know what this guy was capable. I mean, he knew what he what what I mean, obviously, yeah, it's an enemy soldier. Yeah, it's yeah. an enemy soldier. So, you know, you know what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, some um, something I don't, big something, is some, about to go down. Yeah, obviously something big is about to go down. <laughs> and honestly, like what he said was going through his mind is. One of them is gonna lose their life. That mm-hmm. that's what I remember. He he was telling me that, and but one thing he noticed about this guy instantly, it looks like this guy has just been lost for days, and this guy just didn't know where he was, and he just looked very disoriented. And I mean, his uniform was basically like all tore up, and it was very cold outside, and everything. My grandfather said that they fought in. Uh, I believe he said 30 below zero uh, weather conditions while he, while he was up there. And so this guy bumps into him and um, knocks him to the floor. And he gets up. And then my grandfather, he was big on, he was, he, my grandfather was a boxer. So he was big on like hand-to-hand, just duking it out with the guys. And the, mm-hmm. he said that the guy didn't have a weapon or anything on him. So the, uh, the Korean soldier, his instinct was just to obviously, you know, uh, get his distance away from my grandfather and just kind of get away. So I guess they were just uh, kind of duking it out, just throwing punches at each other because my grandfather said uh, when they knocked him down, he was just away from his rifle. He just didn't know what to do. So they just kind of uh, duked it out, and uh, my grandfather got to the point to where this guy, he can get him away. Uh, he, he pushed, basically, my grandfather got the distance away from him, picked up his rifle, and pointed it at the guy. Mm-hmm. And the guy, um, my grandfather just kind of examined the guy and just looked at how he didn't have any weapons on him he um he uh just was his uniform was just basically all tattered and like torn up so my grandfather um he said he he pointed his rifle to the to the sky and then just kind of pulled the trigger and then the guy just ran off and he never seen him again yeah yeah and 
that that was a story that um you know just kind of uh um kind of always stuck with me you know my grandfather just just kind of shows what type of person he was he he didn't want to do anything that he didn't have to do yeah and he he kind of saw that like how he had the advantage he felt like it wasn't a fair fight and then that the fact that this guy was just so he just looked so disoriented i mean he said even the guy looked like he didn't eat maybe days yeah. that this guy was just been lost for a long time so he just kind of let him go and you know he also has a uh, he also has a couple other funny stories um there was he was saying that there was one time where he was but he was basically walking on like I said, on like on another I don't know if he was like on patrol or whatever uh, you know these guys I think he said he was using the restroom <laughs> uh so he went so he walked away and was using the restroom and then he hears something like coming up through like the bushes it was it was really really quick fast paced yeah so he hears something coming up through the bushes and he's like oh crap so he's like trying to like zip up his pants uh-huh. <laughs> and cause, uh so he's trying to hurry up and like finish using the restroom so he can like <laughs> figure out what this is. I mean, he said he just, um, uh, it, it caught him off guard and uh, so he hears something and next thing you know, something just big pushes him from the back and then he falls face forward. <laughs> he falls face forward and then turns around and then this big, uh, I think it was a, I think they said a Saint Bernard. A Saint Bernard started licking him in his face, and it was it was just a Saint Bernard. Those are always like good to have like those those stories that are sort of that inspiration, and it's also one of those things like military veterans have a lot of stories that they tell. But like you said, your grandfather had a ton of stories that he didn't tell, and that's one of those things um, that sort of flicked a lot of our military veterans just from the things that they had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Korean War was an incredibly brutal war. Mm-hmm. Um, going up to the Yalu River was as, they say, as cold as, you know, 40. It got down to 40 deg- degrees, like 40 below mm-hmm. zero, um, not just 40 below freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an incredibly brutal war that involved a lot of countries. Um, and it's one of those wars that I've, I've gotten the opportunity to do a lot of research and study on and to know that your grandfather was involved in that um, is an incredible thing and, and fought um, to preserve the the freedom of the South Korean people um, and so it's a huge thing and I know that there was a story that he went to Korea yes um, as as part of a, a ceremony mm-hmm. and as part of a commemoration um, for the Korean War, and he went with a number of other um, military veterans uh, from the U.S. over there, and there was a moment where they were at the thirty-eighth um, parallel. Yes, sir. And so he couldn't take his, and I'm going to let you take it from here, but he was not allowed to go to the thirty-eighth parallel with his wheelchair. Yeah. What happened? then yeah so unfortunately i wasn't on that trip correct yeah i really wish i was but of course so um but i did see a lot of pictures and my family all talking about it um so what happened from there uh so the 38th parallel is the the dmz the demilitarized zone to be exact um so it's where north korea the north korean president and the um uh, South Korean president there they that's where they'll do all their meetings and uh, 
talking and that's just where the all the ne- ne- negotiations get done mm-hmm. and so they were trying to take these veterans um into the dmz uh into basically like the north korean side of the right. of the dmz i like the pyongyang side yeah yeah um uh but they would have the the south korean government would have to get permission from the north korean government and the North Korean government, um, they did tours throughout the whole the whole trip mm-hmm. um, over there, and um, they would get so close up to uh, North Korea to where the North Koreans could see like how these veterans were. And um, I mean, obviously, these the, the North Koreans they saw they saw these veterans like as scum. Like they didn't they didn't care. I mean, obviously they don't they still don't. Right. The negotiations they were saying we want to bring in these veterans to um, just to kind of. I'm not so sure. I just guess they just wanted to go in there. Um, they just wanted to take the veterans in there, and the uh, North Korean government said, "Yeah, we you can we we will let them come in, but um, not on their chairs." Mm-hmm. So that just eliminated like a whole lot of people, a lot of veterans that were actually there for that for on that trip. Mm-hmm. So my I believe they said my grandfather was in the front of this. Um, what was it? It was like a, a big, like a big coach bus. Um, my grandfather was sitting in the front and they were like, well, uh, they went and then they did this negotiation of saying how they, uh, the, the trip advisors, they went, um, in there and they were talking and they came back in the bus and they were like, yeah, so they said we can go in, but y'all cannot bring y'all's wheelchairs. So, um, all the, let's just say all the veterans didn't, they, uh, they didn't like that. Too they much. Did, they didn't like that too much. Um, in nicer words, let's just say that they said, screw "Well, them. yeah, screw them," and that it just made all the veterans mad. So my grandfather, being in the front of the bus, they said, "Well, hey, you know, uh, why don't we start with uh, uh, if you if y'all think y'all can get up and walk without y'all's chairs or walkers or anything because they're not letting any of those things in, uh, then we we can try to get y'all in, but y'all y'all have to walk in there." My grandfather, like I say, used a motorized chair to to get around. Yeah, his knees were jacked. Yeah, his knees were jacked. He had what's called uh, it was called a drop foot, right? I believe it's called, where he, from the moment he got out of the military, he suffered like with his foot, like mm-hmm. uh, his foot numbing from the cold weather that he yeah. served in. So it's basically like he lost nerves in his foot, right. basically. So. My uncle, he's very, he's a person that kind of thinks outside the box. So he told the people in charge of the trip, he says, well, hey, you know, my grand, I mean, my, uh, my father, he, he can't, he can't walk at all. He can, he can move his legs, but you know, he, he can't walk by himself. And then they were just kind of like, well, um, how about we see if like, maybe y'all can like hold him up and then y'all can help him get in there. Mm-hmm. So they told my my uncle then they're like yeah well, we we can do that I know my my grandfather I mean I know my father really wants to go in there he it's something he he has to see like it's he came here for that because they said that would that they were going to allow that yeah. basically they they were like yeah y'all can y'all can carry him in um, so my grandfather and the bus uh, and all the other veterans whenever they were starting to let them all in the people in charge were like okay we're gonna start with Mister uh, John Perez. And um, a lot of the veterans knew that mm-hmm. my grandfather was in a wheelchair because they just spent the whole week up there with them. Yeah. So they're like, "Okay, Johnny." They were like, "Let's just say that they told him, all right, Johnny, you go show them.'" Yeah. 
they had their all they all had their their choice of words mm-hmm. but that's it summed up in a nice way yeah so um my brother was there and my my uh my uncle was there with them so they they put one arm around my uh uncle and then the other arm around my brother and then they both carried um uh, my grandfather in actually to the to the DMZ to the North Korean side and it was kind of it was very uh emotional for my grandpa okay? yeah yeah, um, I my brother was even telling me that even though it, I mean it is the demilitarized zone, my grandpa was still kind of like freaked out. Like they said, we've never ever seen my grandfather scared for anything in his life. Mm-hmm. And the moment that he was going in uh, into the DMZ, my brother uh, he told me that my grandfather was like, if anything happens, you don't leave me here. Like mm-hmm. you take me with you. And my brother was like. Even though my brother knew, like, it's, like, nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the fear that of my grandfather, you know, he he literally fought there. Like, he knows what happens. He, he kind of knew what the North Koreans are capable of and, and all that. So he was just, he was nervous, but it was something that he wanted to see. And that's mm-hmm. why they got him up and then they went in there. Yeah. So they went in there and um, he was able to see it. And he came out and it was just, everybody was just emotional. Yeah. It was, it was, it was... An awesome moment for him. It was a big day for Perez family. Yeah, for the Perez family. Yeah. And all the other veterans as well. Definitely. And it was just really cool um, that he was actually able to like be the first one from their group to go in there. Yeah. And the support that he got from all the veterans. And that's another thing, the military, with the with, when I say the whole com- camaraderie, um, everybody's so uh, tight-knitted together. Like, my, my grandfather, he fought in these war with these men, mm-hmm. but probably didn't serve with them exactly but still they didn't care they were the way they saw each other was uh they're all brothers right and um so just the the amount of support that uh my grandfather got uh whenever he came out of the dmz Mm -hmm. they were everybody was just going crazy from your personal perspective you're about to go into the marines you're going to go into boot camp when do you leave uh my projected leaving uh, or shipping date is july 29th Okay. So I'm about three months away. All right. So you're prepared. You've got a history of military in your family, um, and specifically with your grandfather. How important is it, in your eyes, to serve in the United States military? Um, you know, actually, I I think it's I think it's very important. Um, well, my grandpa at first, honestly, he wasn't big on military. Whenever he got out of the military. He was just like, I hate the military. I, I hope none of my family ever goes. Yeah. And um, it was just, it was, he just didn't like it because he, I guess it was a different time. He wasn't getting the support he needed. Right. Um, and all that. But it wasn't until, you know, his Washington, D.C. trips and all that. And like, he started to see like the impact that he, that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean is like the impact isn't just in the United States. It's international impact. And what I mean by that is because another quick story about when he was in Korea, um, it was, I believe it was whenever they first landed into Korea and then they got there and they got all situated. And then these little kids who were not even, obviously not even born whenever the Korean War happened, these kids weren't even thought of when the Korean War happened. These little kids ran up to shake and touch on my grandfather and they were just so appreciative of the service and the sacrifice that not only my grandfather had, 
Um, but with all these other veterans, I'm talking about these this whole group of veterans and all these kids went running up to the veterans mm-hmm. and they were just thanking them and hugging them. And these are little, these kids are, they're, they're like maybe an elementary school age. Yeah. They're, these kids are so little, they, they probably don't even know enough about the Korean War, mm-hmm. but they knew that the moment they saw those uh, older men, they said, those are the people um, that helped my preserve family. The yeah, that, that helped preserve the country. And so the, the impact is international, you know, and that's one thing my grandfather, whenever I kind of told him I wanted to join the military, he says, well, he says, well, you, it's gonna, it's not only going to make an impact for you. It's going to make an impact for the United States. It's going to make an impact to wherever they send you. Yeah. And, um, he just couldn't stress enough about the importance of the military. Cause you know, without the military, a lot of this stuff we have today wouldn't be here exactly. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people serve in the military anymore. How important is it for more people to serve in the military and what do you think people will get out of it well i believe it's, it's really important because like i said um we never know when something's gonna happen you never know when um uh when something's just gonna pop off really uh and one thing that i know my grandfather would talk about is uh obviously he always wanted to keep his family safe so i feel like the reason why it's so important is because really we want to not make only our, our our own family safe, but we want to make everybody's family safe. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their different roles in the military. I mean, you can go from uh, being behind a desk to being boots on on a war zone. Yeah, and I, I I just feel like what people get out of it is really the structure that that the military gives you. I mean, there's some people that go into the military. And they never see combat or they never, um, there was actually somebody from the army that I know, um, they've served right now. They, um, I think they just hit their ninth year and the, and they're actually, um, uh, infantry in the army. And I asked him, I said, well, like, you're not like scared or like anything. And they, I mean, they said, no, they, they, what he told me, he's like, no, he's like, I'm not scared of, of going to work. I mean, I mean, it, it's what you sign up for and you you kind of have to, uh, you know your, you know the risk whenever you sign up. And I asked him, I said, well, why, like, why haven't we gone? Or like, it, it, dumb questions. I just asked him a bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. And he said, one of the things that he said um, that stuck with me, he says, well, you know, I've been in nine years. He says, I haven't served in war, but you best believe I've been trying. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just, I feel like it's important to serve because, I mean, if there's nobody to protect, then we're just making, if, if, there's nobody to protect uh, our country, then it's just gonna make us look vulnerable, and people are gonna want to come, come, uh, come here and maybe take it over, or yeah. they want to try. Right. But I mean, the best way for me to say it is, I want to protect those who can't protect themselves, hmm. and that that's the way I see it. I just feel like if there's nobody to uh, be here to serve and protect our our country, then we're not gonna have nothing. In we're the not gonna have a country. Yeah, we're not gonna have a country. Um, I just know it's important just to serve and protect. And the way I, another thing that I, uh, I see is there's some people who try so hard to get into the military and then there's some people who try so hard to see combat and there's literally people dying over there. And I feel like if I'm over here and, and kicking my, uh, my boots on the, on my, um, just kicking my boots up on a desk or doing something and I'm as capable as the men and women in the military actually doing it, 
then why can't why shouldn't I do it if it's you know you get you kind of get I what get I'm saying you, yeah like if there's people dying and there's people um, that try to get into the military but can't then I should be I should be right there with them because I mean every I feel like it should be an obligation for people to serve and protect yeah all right ladies and gentlemen that has been our episode with Nick the intern Perez quote and quote recruit. Future pulley. Marine, pulley, I'm a pull- whatever you are. <laughs> yeah, so you've got the Marine shirt on, so that's enough. Um, so, Nick, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and just giving your story, your personal story, your grandfather's story, and sort of tying all of that together. We thank you uh, from the Sons of History. From me personally, a friend of yours, um, thank you for, for volunteering and enlisting uh, into the Marines. It's, a, it's, it's an honor to have you on the show and I hope it was an honor for you to even be on this show yeah (laughs) thank you for (laughs) having me that's a great honor so but thanks man Uh, and we wish you the very best Uh, we wish you safety as well Um, and that you just rise to the ranks um, Mm -hmm. in in the Marines and I know know you're going to do well because you're an extremely determined uh, individual I mean you were the one begging me to, to help you you know train train boxing and, and uh-huh. you, you did not hesitate and you know all this stuff so and you've continued and I've been able to sit back and sort of just watch mm-hmm. watch you just progress uh, or awesome. progress into it so thanks again man for coming no appreciate it we gotta get another interview whenever I'm back here wearing my blues yeah man yeah <laughs> and you've you've uh, knocked out the rest of ISIS yeah single yeah hand, single handedly single handedly so. <laughs> with just a uh, a knife just a knife yeah and uh, a pair of socks. Yeah. So. And a toothbrush. And a toothbrush that's sharp on the end. No clothes at all. No clothes. Yeah, just a pair of socks that yes. you have on your hands. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's it. Hey, you can go check us out on any of our platforms that we're on. We're on iTunes, Google, um, wherever you are. Wherever you are listening, please do us a favor and leave us a review and rate our show. Also, you can go check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Or you can go check us out on our website, www.thesonsofhistory.com. We are out. Thank you very much.